Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. NVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I'm your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. I think we have a little bit of an echo, but hopefully we get that sorted out. We have special guest on the show today from Sinbin Vegas, Ken Bulky. Thank you, Ken, so much for coming on. Appreciate you. Uh, how... Uh, is Vegas feeling? Let's start with that. You close out Game Seven over there. Get the job done. Much for coming on. Appreciate you. Uh, how uh, is Vegas feeling? Let's start with that. You close out Game All Seven right. over there. Weird. Weird issues here. Much for yeah. On. Appreciate you. Uh, how Hearing uh, is twice. Vegas feeling? Let's start with that. You close out Game Seven. Uh, weird. Some weird issues here. All right. Technical difficulties. Nice. Great start to the show. Ken will be Great. back in a minute, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> let's start with the Avalanche, then. They have not played in a week. Yeah. We've kind of talked about it before. Don't think we're too worried about it, but all right. Are we good now? We gotcha. Okay. I, know, I figured out my problem. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no. Did you no, have YouTube open? Am. I had you loaded up on the other page, so on my Twitter, I had this, so then I was hearing you twice, and it was an absolute disaster, and then I got super confused, and then you introduced me. It was a nightmare. Hopefully, the Golden Knights play better than those first three minutes of my introduction there. That was a nightmare. Of uh, of some of the technical difficulties we've had on this podcast, that is not that bad. Trust me. <laughs> oh, we survived. <laughs> Some of, uh, some of some of the te- technical problems we've had over the years have been 
wildly difficult yeah. to deal with, like hour long sagas. That was 100 user error on my end. Like 100 percent my fault. I accept all responsibility for ruining the entire show three seconds into it starting. You're welcome. Oh, hardly ruin. Hardly ruin at all. Ken, thank you for coming on, though. I really do appreciate you here. Uh, as we were trying to get into, how's the feeling in Vegas right now? You guys close out Game 7 against Minnesota over there, but you only get one day off going into this Av series. It's it's interesting because, in a sense, it's like relief that, like, okay, we didn't blow it. It didn't happen. You know, with the, the 3-1 thing didn't happen. So, like, in, in that sense, that was all last night was. It's like, whew. Take a deep breath. It's not 3-1 blown. You know, we're not we, – we finally got the series. But I think today you're starting to see people start to get into like, oh, boy, this is the series we've been waiting for. This is what we wanted, and it's like tomorrow. So, yeah, it's – it's. Uh, I think they're in a much different spot than where Colorado is because they've been sitting there waiting for this and saying like, here we go. Vegas is more still coming off the high of beating Minnesota and, and not blowing what could have been an absolute nightmare disaster situation there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> winning is always better than losing, I guess, to simplify yeah, that I mean, story. In theory, yeah, in theory. Obviously, in Vegas's uh, short life, they're no stranger to the first round 3-1 lead dangers that, that come and go there. But Have to remind me, huh? Just right off. Just right off the bat. Well, you know, punishment. Abs have had their fair share of uh, real, man. I mean, that's part of the story. Uh, Abs have had their fair share of pain in the second round as well. So, it, it, it's the way it goes. I see a couple of super chats coming in here. Thank you very much. As a diehard of both teams, I cannot wait for this series. Ken's coverage of the VGK is unmatched. My two favorite podcasts. Much appreciated, Joseph. And then we also have. I know one guy saying, "Oh boy, yes." Does, uh, <laughs> I assume intentional by you, Ken, putting it that way specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, t- I tell you, Ken, if uh, if the Avs win this series, we'll have to send you a McKinnon Oh Boy shirt to wear. Oh, yeah, we have uh, to do yeah. that. I'll wear it. I'll, do you have them? Oh, yeah. Oh, we, we could do a little uh, a little side bet. I'll wear a Sinbin Vegas shirt or something if Vegas wins the series. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah, we, got, we got four of the cup shirts. Uh, you know, like that's the F O U R the cup. That's the idea. It's our fourth year. So yeah, I'm in, I'm in. Oh boy. Verse for the cup. Yeah. Sounds oh, good to me. Nice. I'm, I, I will take that bet for sure. I don't have to, to say it. we have not exactly been thrilled with Alex Petrangelo's play on the ice. So the Oh mean? boy moment <laughs> is just another example of us saying, Oh boy, as much as he did. You mean $8 million for him to basically be Devon Taves? I think Devon Taves is better. Yeah. I think it's probably been a little better. bit better. I love Zach Whitecloud. Don't even get me started on that. Look, uh, Whitecloud, he's rock solid, but we're really talking about him better than Petrangelo here? Depend. I mean, obviously the role is different. So Petrangelo has been playing in the top role the entire time since he's been here. We, you know, White Cloud's not going to be a power play option, but Petrangelo doesn't do anything on the power play anyway. So I don't know what good he is being out there for a minute and a half every damn time. But yeah, I mean, for me, there's less mistakes from, from White Cloud. And in the way the Golden Knights play in the system that they play, that's all it is. Don't screw it up. And if you screw it up, then you blow game one against the Wild. If you don't, you're Zach Whitecloud. <laughs> I right. mean, I guess this is as good a place to start as any, because let's start with special teams. Because it's going to be interesting. 
Uh, Colorado finished in the top 10 in both power play and penalty kill. Vegas has a phenomenal penalty kill. Completely erased Colorado's power play in their eight matchups this year. What is it about the Vegas PK that is so effective? It's aggressive as all hell. Am I allowed to swear on this? Oh, yeah. Oh, go off. Okay, it's aggressive as shit. Like, they attack. The second you are under any pressure, they attack. And anytime your back's to the goal, anytime the puck is bobbled, anything that they can get, they attack. And they've become very, very good at cutting the ice in half and attacking with two players and then ending up giving you either one option or no options. It's really, really hard to figure out exactly where your pressure relief points are. And I think it takes teams quite a while to figure out. But the one concern I have is Minnesota figured it out. And their last three power plays, they were electric on those three because they figured out exactly what the Golden Knights were doing and they ripped it apart. And so the question is, are the Golden Knights going to adjust? Are the Golden Knights going to kind of stick with the same thing and hope that maybe the film disappears into thin air? Or will will they figure out their adjustments and go a different way? But I, I think this is a very, very difficult power play to deal with. Entering is super hard because they have great sticks at the blue line. They're really good on gaps and they can all skate. So it's a good penalty kill. And I, I think it's it's done very well against Colorado. I think for Colorado, the issue is going to be mainly setting up. Once they're set up, I think they'll be able to deal with the pressure. Yeah, the uh, the entry is certainly no hope for unit two when it comes down to the entry. <laughs> let's just let's just call it an adventure um, <laughs> to describe Colorado's power play zone entries. Uh, if you get to if you see unit two, you'll watch Andre Burakovsky go flying through the neutral zone, and it's going to look great. And then he's going to hit the blue line, and one of two things is going to happen: he's immediately going to get stripped. Or it's going to get poked away and he's going to be three feet away from the puck as it goes the other direction. And it's just going to be a disaster because that's just the power kill. Yeah. That's, (laughs) that's just what it's, that's what it's been for a while now, but that's the second unit. The first unit, who knows their, their entry is all over the place. They change it every game and it looks like they change it every game. So Well, you know, I thought it was interesting against St. Louis because they moved away significantly from Nathan McKinnon for whatever reason. And I do wonder if that was to hide it a little bit for the Vegas series because we've seen a lot of all season long. If the Avs need an entry, you know it's going to McKinnon. Well, yeah, well, McKinnon's a zone entry, like a controlled zone entry monster. He's one of the best in the NHL at it. It's just a unique ability that he has to get into the zone. The problem is, is that at, at, in, at 5v5, it's really, it's quite different because they are, you know, you're attacking the net when you get into the zone. Everybody, you know, the, the, the way that everybody is moving. And then on a power play, you're trying to set something up. So he gets in there and then he just stops 10 feet inside the zone and is like, all right, well, now I'm going to defend myself because I'm no longer a threat to continue moving forward and trying to score. And with a really aggressive PK, like what, like what Vegas has, it's, they force you to make a play. They force you to execute. And if they don't, they punish you. You won't have the room to just pull up and sit there. Yeah. Especially with Mark stone, uh, who's just a 
an absolute ninja with the stick and, and yeah, the guy it's ridiculous. Like what coming coming from going against Ryan O'Reilly, like it's great prep. Because it's, it's kind of it's, it's a it's, different it's, level. He's unreal. Yeah, like it's like Mark Stone is just like, okay, well, now you, now you gotta deal with this guy. Um and then and then you have like a you know, you have Chandler Stevenson who's got a just brings the speed element. It's uh, I think that matchup is gonna be really, really, really important in the series. Because five V five, these are pretty they're pretty even teams. Uh and so if you get into the special teams, especially if they call a lot of penalties, and each team is getting three, four, five power play chances. Uh, that's I think that's gonna be a big feather in in the Vegas cap is that their PK has just eaten Colorado's power play up. I'm not as confident as you are in it, uh for Vegas, because I don't think the Golden Knights power play is any threat at all, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for Vegas. And so even if they eat up the the Colorado power play, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. Like if I were to guess over the course of the series, you're probably looking maybe one team gets one bonus goal one way or the other over a six or seven game series. Like it's it's not it, – this isn't the Tampa situation where it's like, well, they're going to be plus seven against Florida. So, or whatever it was, I don't know what it actually ended up being, but it felt like that. I I feel like they're both probably going to have a hard time scoring in the power play. So whether they call a bunch of penalties or not, it's just how much we get to see five on five. And you seem a little uh, higher on Vegas's chances at five on five than I do. Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's even ish. I I like, I think, I mean, Colorado's, um, Colorado just put up one of the, the greatest five on five seasons that we've seen in the last what 14 years of recording of certain statistics like yeah yeah, it's like it's not lost on me that colorado was phenomenal at five on five this year it's just that i think i think these are the two best teams in the nhl this year and so talking about it as a second round matchup kind of feels dirty but it's also (laughs) like this was destiny from the moment they realigned the divisions i i will say um, I do, I do think with Pacioretty being back for Vegas, he does seem to have a little bit of the Avs number, especially when it comes to special special teams as Vegas's finisher for them. Um, that's over regular season statistics. Obviously, you know the the playoffs is a bit of a different beast, but I I do wonder. At times, the Avs penalty kill is a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde. Are we going to see the quality penalty kill where they're blocking shots effectively, where they're in the correct positions, or are we going to see the scrambly mess that we saw at times near the end of the regular season? So, I given given how focused they were against St. Louis, like the PK looked as good as it has all year. No, David Perron really helped because they could just eliminate one side of the ice because Tyler Bozak sucks. So <laughs> there was no like. Oh, we're worried about Tyler Bozak. And as soon as as soon as they realized, as soon as St. Louis realized that the abs were selling out to cut off the Mike Hoffman option, they adjusted to trying to feed Ryan O'Reilly in the middle, which gave them nothing also. Um, I think Vegas has uh, more dangerous options and more versatile options. I don't know why their their power play is not better. I can answer that question. Great, that's what you're here for. So, you don't have a plan. 
Okay. They, they come in with no plan. The, their entries are actually decent. They're pretty good at winning the draws off the beginning of it, but they don't have a plan A. And, and, and the, the, the issue is their main idea is let's just get into this umbrella. Let's just fan it around. And then we'll see if that cross seam pass ever opens. And it never will because the other guys know that's the only thing they're trying to do. And unless Pacioretty's in there, and even when Pacioretty's in there, you know, just like it's not, he's not Ovechkin. So if you, if you get that shot and you still know it's coming, it's not necessarily going to go in. He, you, you know it's coming, Grubauer is going to get over there and stop it. So because that's kind of a portion of the game, they don't really rely on that, knowing that that's not going to end up in goals all that often. So what they're trying to do most of the time is just stretch the penalty kill out, and teams just won't do it. And so instead, they just pass it around the umbrella the entire time, and somebody eventually gets to hearing the guy in the crowd yelling, shoot, and says, oh, that's a good idea, and they rip it. And, and really, it's... It's shocking how little movement there is. Like having watched enough Colorado, the movement that you see from McKinnon is completely foreign to what the Golden Knights power play looks like. So this is a, this has been a fun thing to watch this year. <laughs> Very alone. new development for Colorado. Yeah, this, is, this has not been the case in the past where Nathan McKinnon would stand in where Ovechkin does and he would just hang out. Uh, this year, McKinnon moves all around. Yeah, constant. He's he's all over the place now. A lot of times he will set up in that normal spot where right-handed guys set up for the one timer, but the guy the the guy's all over the place, um, and they find some success with it because that's what you wanted to. You want like if you're if you're a penalty kill, you want to shut down Nathan McKinnon. So it it makes sense to have him move around a lot, and I think that it's been a fun wrinkle to watch. I'm curious how those two match. I'm, I'm curious how those two, uh, how they clash, how how that ends up. You know, that the the Colorado power play, which was awesome against St. Louis, against the Vegas PK, I think is going to be one of our key matchups. I don't that, expect them to key in on McKinnon as much as what I think other teams would do. I think they're going to kind yeah, I think they're just going to more rely on how they normally kill, and that's just trying to cut the ice in half. And that was the piece that if you watch the last three, I, I highly recommend this, watch the last three power plays that Minnesota had. They scored goals on two of them, and they were real dangerous on the middle one. Uh, there was the one last night, there were two last night, and then the one in the game before. They realized that that, that winger comes up the ice to try to cut the ice in half. And instead of making the pass back up to the top of, of the slot, they came into the bumper. The bumper guy comes up, they hit that guy, and it relieves the entire thing. I'm very interested to see how often they can get McKinnon in that spot to relieve the pressure because then he's going to make a good decision there, even better than the Fialas and Kaprizovs and these types of guys that the Golden Knights just went up against. I, I think there's something there, but I expect Vegas to kind of change a little bit of how that was going because it just became too obvious and they they got smoked three pen, three power plays in a row after being i think it was eight in a row before that okay um i do want to get into some of the positional matchups as well but we do have to take our first period break first so we are brought to you by breckenridge brewery the official beer of dnvr you can get eight of them on tap down at the dnvr bar and also check out local liquor stores near your you use the brick 
beer locator online to find it. We're also brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives. It's been known to help with many different aches and pains, including migraines, IBS, joint pain, and other things as well. You can get 25% off when you use code DNVR25 on your first checkout with them. Or another product you can get at the DNVR bar, cold brew down there. Come check it out. Saw a little glimpse of it today. It is absolutely bumping for the Nuggets game. Full house over there. It's like it was that full like two hours before the game. So if you're coming down for the Avs game on Sunday, uh, come early. <laughs> just going just gonna to say come early. And, uh, yeah, support us here at DNVR. Consider signing up for an annual membership that helps us out. Big time, obviously, as that directly supports us. And you get all the amazing content that we provide. AJ's awesome post games and written pieces, Evan's grades, all of that type of thing. And also, check out Ken down at Sinbin Vegas, because they do awesome stuff. If you have any interest in the Vegas Golden Knights, highly recommend you check them out. Um, yeah. All right. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's let's start at the back. Let's start with the goaltender matchup here. Philip Grubauer versus presumably Flurry, but Leonard is also an option if needed. Yeah, it's probably going to be Flurry. There there are, there's some chatter that it could potentially be Leonard tomorrow just because they've played so much and they have an opportunity to get Leonard in there. I would guess they do not do that. I would imagine they're going to stick with Flurry, and it'll Don't be Flurry it. until he has to come out. Don't do it. <laughs> You're going to put no that man in cold. It's not going to go well. I would agree with you, although I thought there was a chance they were going to put him in cold in Game 7. I'm actually still surprised they didn't. Boy, that would have been spicy. I just can't believe they took the risk of going through a seven-game series against a team they're supposed to be better than and went with the same goalie the entire time. They could have gone out of the postseason with $5 million on the bench, never seeing the ice. I, I'm shocked they, they took that risk, and it paid off. Good for this them. Is, this is, the, uh, this is the, 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 the problem that they face with having $12 million in goaltending is that no when, you get in, when you get into the postseason, it's useless. So one of those guys is sitting, you know, it was like yeah. Colorado had a backup goaltender problem all season long. And now they get into the postseason. It's like, well, that's irrelevant. Yep. And Vegas, I mean, Grubauer, if Grubauer gets hurt. They're screwed. But that's a, that's a, that's a big, like, what if, right? I mean, yeah, there's a, uh, you just pack it in there. if Grubauer takes the injury, I think for the most part, but yeah. it, <laughs> I mean, who who has the edge here? Because let's be real, Flurry had an unbelievable year in the regular season, and it did take seven games. But you know, Vegas lost a couple of of close games that it certainly can't pin all of the blame on Flurry there. To me, Vegas has the edge there. I think it's probably Vegas's biggest spot. Uh, like you got a Vezina quality goalie, you got a Vezina quality backup. They won the Jennings Trophy. They both were phenomenal. I mean, Flurry's. If Vegas were to go on to win the cup, he's probably winning Con Smythe too. So, I think they're in a they're in they're in a good spot with the goalie. And and even if they do have to make the switch, and I would imagine the switch would actually probably be made because the skaters in front of them fail the goalie as opposed to the goalie failing them. Um, plus, I would argue that Vegas is going to need some spectacular saves in this series. They don't need the routine save. They're going to need some spectacular ones. Flurry's more likely to do that than Leonard. So I think they're in a good spot having Flurry in there. 
Um, I think Flurry is the better goalie in this in this series. I think even if Leonard goes in, he's better than Grubauer. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not, a, I'm not like down on Grubauer horribly. I just think that the Vegas goalies are both better. AJ, do you have a counter argument here? I will. I will say uh, for twelve million dollars, um, one, you would better goddamn win the Jennings, uh, and. <laughs> It was for, so worth it for for twelve million dollars. You only gave the the Vegas only gave up ten fewer goals than the Abs, and that's with the Abs getting zero games played out of their actual backup goaltender this year. So had Frankie been in there, to be honest, I don't know that I don't know that Vegas still wins at Jennings. You but, put that more on goalie than skaters in front of them because I think I think Colorado's defense is better than Vegas's. I absolutely. I watched five Hunter Miska starts, bro. I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely, I absolutely one hundred percent put that on the goaltenders. It's fair. So that guy was rough. He just wasn't. He just. He just wasn't ready. He got put in a bad spot, and it showed. And anyway, um, I I would say going into the series, like, look, if you if you count the depth chart, yeah. Vegas has an, obvious, has an obvious advantage. Head-to-head, though, I don't think Robin Leonard is any better than Philip Grubauer is today, this year. Marc-Andre Fleury, when he's absolutely at his absolute best, totally. I give the advantage to, to, to Fleury. This is also the best we've ever seen out of Philip Grubauer. So, yeah. you yeah. know, he... It's I think it's a small edge, but if it if if, if the series comes down to one extra save... I I give it to Flurry. I give it to Vegas in that now, in that. But as as both of you were alluding to, uh, Grubauer has gone through a decent portion of this season and even a couple of the first round playoff games, facing around twenty shots a game because of the Avs defense. So you take a look at the two defenses, and we kind of already talked about Petrangelo, but on the surface, the top of Vegas's defense is quite strong. It, the Avs just have a ridiculous amount of defensive high-end depth. When you talk about their top four, there are teams in the league that would probably have Devon Taves, if not on their top pairing, certainly flirting with it. So... In my mind, I definitely think the Avs have the advantage as the defense as a whole, but I do wonder about the matchup. As as you kind of already mentioned with their PK, uh, Ken, they are also extremely aggressive on the forecheck. So yep. we're going to see the Avs get tested on the breakout, and I'm not as confident there. Had, what are your expectations for Vegas's aggressive forecheck against the Avs' defensive breakout? I'm really interested to see how the Golden Knights attempt to play this series. Because the way that I feel like it's supposed to go, which is both teams want 40 shots and the other team takes 18, like that's the goal for both teams. That's not happening. Everyone knows that's not happening because that's physically impossible. So what I'm guessing is both teams are going to play the exact same style where they are willing to dump it in, get it on the forecheck, and then the opposing team is just going to break it out. They're going to dump it in, get it on the forecheck, and they're going to break it out. I think it's just going to be breakout after breakout after breakout and not a lot happening. And I'm wondering which team deals with frustration better because they're both 
really good going back, getting pucks, breaking out. And and while the four checks are both good and, and can break things down, I, I think there's something to be said about there's going to be moments, I think long stretches in this series where nothing happens, like just nothing's going on. And I'm very interested to see which team screws up more often to change that nothing going on. And this is where I think the Braden McNabb being out is going to be a really big factor here because that puts Nick Holden in the lineup and and up the lineup. Nick Nick Holden, Patrick Nemeth, who's throwing more grenades in this series? <laughs> Cuz yeah. I think that's going to be a I think it's going to be a big factor here. They look the the other thing that I think that may not be a game 1 problem for Vegas, but becomes a problem at some point is Bowen Byram's going to play in this series. Yep. And what we saw from Bowen, if look, if Bowen Byram just shows up and he's exactly who he was in the regular season, it's a really big problem for Vegas yep. because he, he would bring a dynamic element to that third pairing that doesn't exist. Like even, even with Connor Timmons at his best, it just does not Byram Byram's ability to skate pucks out. It changes. It changes how you can attack him because St. Louis tried over and over and over to go with the puck up and over yep. Colorado's defense. Okay. Make him turn around and then go in hard on the forecheck and go and get him. This didn't matter that much. And if you add Byram into there, it's only going to get worse. That breakout's only going to get easier. It's only going to get more efficient. It's just Byram might low-key be like the X factor, like the true wild card in this series that could change everything because whenever whenever Jared Bednar decides to use him, I don't know why it wouldn't be game one, but you know that's why he's paid to do what he's doing and I'm paid to do what I'm doing. I, I, I think it's going to be an important factor, though, because he his skating ability and his, his just raw puck skill. Look, I, I like Nick Haig. I, I like Zach Whitecloud. I like the, I like, really like the Vegas defense as a whole, but when it comes to moving pucks, there's one team that is absolutely phenomenal at it. And another team that's just pretty good. And, you know, Vegas is a, is a, I think a more well-rounded, bigger, more classic, playoff style defense a little more physical but you know it's it's not 2010 anymore it's not the year 2000 anymore moving moving pucks is moving moving pucks is the key to everything you if you can efficiently do that and you can effectively do that you're gonna win a lot of games and you throw a ball environment there and you limit the number of times that Patrick Nemeth is allowed to touch the puck, Colorado's defense suddenly just does not have very many weak points in it. There's very, I mean, Ryan Graves on any given day, you just don't know. You get the you get the Ryan Graves from the St. Louis series, the Avs are thrilled to give that man $3 million. You get the Ryan Graves from a lot of this regular season, Vegas would be, would be thrilled to give him $3 million to play for the Avs. Because it's been that frustrating with Graves. He's just been that day and night. If he plays well, you get into Colorado's third pairing. I There's just very few weaknesses on that defense for Vegas to, to really attack, to hone in on. 
you're hoping that Devon Taves or Kale McCarr or Sam Gerard does something dumb. And if that's if that's your game plan, hope that three of the league's best defensemen this season don't play well. It's not a game plan. It's a prayer. Yep. I completely agree. First of all, let me respond to one of the things you said in there, which is they're paid to do that and we're paid to do this. That doesn't mean they're right. Just oh, that's <laughs> the Golden Knights have been wrong the entire season about Ryan Reeves. They should never have been playing him. They should have never played him in game seven. He takes a dumb penalty. He should have been a major. Nonetheless, they should have never been playing Cody Eakin last season and the year before and the year before. And all. doesn't mean they're right. Even if Patrick Nemeth plays, you're not wrong. Yeah. Just watch our chat when I mention the name Shane Bowers. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's definitely some feelings about some guys at the bottom of the Avs lineup the same way there. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we've talked a lot about the Avs depth on the defense. I think we've kind of skirted the question mark of how much of an impact can Kale McCarr have for the Avalanche as the top defenseman on the team. Let's let's call it what it is. He is the guy who drives a significant amount of offense. Yes, we'll get to McKinnon in the top line for both teams in a bit. But when offense comes from the back end, a whole lot of that is Kale McCarr. So I, it's tough for me, right? Because as Vegas, it's you're not really game planning on how to shut down a defenseman for the most part. But it, is there any theories that they have there or is the focus more on, on looking at the top line and things like that? To me, it's limiting how much ice McCarr has to skate in. And the way you do that is you don't turn the puck over in stupid places. When you're when you're making your turnovers in the offensive zone, make sure their their shots heading towards the back glass. Don't pass the puck back to your neutrals, back to you know the blue line. Don't have these mistakes. And, and the problem is, while the Golden Knights play stretches of that, and when they're committed to that, they're very dangerous. Specifically in third periods, if they have a lead and they decide you're not getting the puck with any space. You won't the entire time. It's probably their best skill. They have to come with that mentality the entire series. And it doesn't matter whether they're up or down or whatever is going on. They have to continue with that mentality. And I just don't think they're going to be – I don't know if it's mentally strong enough or what it is. I I just don't trust they're going to be able to stick to that. Like, McCarr's going to get his opportunities. McKinnon's going to get his opportunities. They're going to catch bad matchups at different times, and Vegas is going to force the puck through the neutral zone because they're going to get sick of dumping the puck in over the top of them and losing the races. So is so is Colorado. They're going to have the same problem. They're going to try – their guys are going to be standing up at the blue line all series long, and the only way to go past them, because you know turnover kills you, so let's not do that. Let's get it in deep and then go see what happens. And it's going to be over and over and over again that the puck will go in deep, the other team will break it out without any problem, and there will just be frustration. Like, I wonder which team is going to struggle on that first. And I think McCarr is a massive key to taking advantage of those moments if Vegas decides, fuck this, we're going for it, and tries to go through them then you get the break the other way. Well, I think, I mean, I think that's where Colorado has maybe its biggest advantage is that McKinnon, McKinnon is the best player in the series. Yep. He's a top three player in the NHL. If he's going, sometimes there's just nothing you can do. And if Kale McCarr, like, 
you hope we, you know, Rudo and I mentioned this earlier this week, but you hope if you're if you're Vegas, you hope that Kale McCarr in a best of set in a seven game series, you hope Kale McCarr has two like Kale McCarr games, and the other five are survivable. Yeah, because if he has the big Kale McCarr games, if he gets if he gets multiple of those, the the abs very rarely lose those games because they're just they're just different they're just special yep and that's that's where i think colorado that's that's why i've liked this matchup from day one from the start of the season is that colorado's high-end talent is just higher and why i hate the matchup two great teams but there's no answer at center on vegas's entire roster Chandler Stevenson has been a godsend filling a, a top six role for them. William Carlson gets a little worse every year, but is still really good. <laughs> Don't like you go speaking bad on William Carlson. He's the guy's really good. He, yeah. get, he gets just a little worse every year, but like he's different he's, role. He yeah, he's he's a very he's one of the league's better two C's. Where where Colorado's going to have their problem is what is life without Nazem Kadri like? Yeah, because and that's that was a huge advantage for the Avs. Center just going down the middle, they could they could just check check box. Oh, that guy's better. That guy's at least as good. That guy's better all the way down through all four lines. And without Nazem Kadri, that's not true anymore. Nathan McKinnon still a big advantage. Tyson Jost in the form that he has played. A great step forward. P.E. Belmar seems to actually give a shit this postseason. He was awesome against St. Louis. If he can, if he can continue to be that guy, the fourth line is going to be rock solid. The big question is, is what is life like without Nazem Kadri? And I do want to get further into this, but before we jump into the forward talk, we have to take our second period break as we are brought to you all by Hassle Cattle Company. You can get some damn good beef from Hassle. Go on, try try their Wagyu beef burger. I got it correct. Down at the DNVR bar because our partners are awesome and we seem to have everything available down at the dnvr bar these days but also order from hasslecattlecompany.com get yourself some of the best meat out there their wagyu is awesome they also have amazing beef jerky and pretty much every other meat under the sun as well down at dnvr we always get the group order going you get free shipping if you use 200 so round up a bunch of people everyone order their favorite steaks and you're good to go and get 10 percent off when you use code dnvr at checkout also brought to you by Solace Meds, four different locations in Colorado, one up north in Fort Collins, a couple here in Denver, and they also have a few out in Oklahoma if you happen to be there. You can get 20% off online when you use code DNVR with them as well, but highly recommend you check them out on Memorial Day. Coming up here, they have great deals for the holidays, including some buy three, get one free deals on select products and other things as well. So check them out, get your stuff enjoy it it's kind of the best i love all of the deals we have here at dnvr i i know i'm repeating myself a lot but like even compared to when i started here to where we are now the deals that we have are kind of dope so yeah check out our partners highly recommend all right let's get into this third period conversation um 
the forward cores here. As AJ's having a giggle. Oh, this, this comment from Samuel just kills me. <laughs> find, find Martinez. Find Shane Theodore. Where's that Mark Stone at? Give it to him. Like That's what it is. He's not wrong. YOLO. He's not wrong. And like the like guy saw somebody else's comment was like, when when your best plan is to give it to Alec Martinez, you don't have a plan. That's exactly right. Well, I will tell you, Alec Martinez was one of the three Golden Knights allowed to score against Colorado this year. It was Martinez, Pacioretty, and Pacioretty. <laughs> Those three were the ones that did all the damage against the Avs this year. I was like, Jesus. Just these three guys are winning them games. Who is the who is the new 3C? Is it New Hook? <laughs> As, um, every shift, it might be a different player. Honestly. It's really, right now, JT Comfer is taking Kadri's spot as 2C. Uh, Jost is 3C, Belmar still 4. And, and New Hook playing on the two. wing. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom two are better than Nick Waugh and Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown sucks. That's guys. my point. I like Patrick. He's a good guy. Patrick Brown's an awesome dude, but he's not very good. Yeah. And like Nick Waugh, while he was good against Minnesota, like, come on. This is the yeah. playoff. The, the yeah. problem with, with the Avs center depth is. Look, right now, Tyson Jost has been great. I have no real problems with the way he's playing, and we've seen the production come up. But certainly with Belmar, you put that guy on out on the ice, and you're just not expecting any offense. Full stop. Yeah. I mean, it, the fourth fourth line didn't do anything. Offensively. How often anything. do they start them in, in the offensive zone? More often than I would like. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have the same problem. <laughs> Ryan Reeves gets like seventy percent offensive zone starts. Yeah, well, if you had Ryan Reeves and you were icing him, why would you? Why would you give him a D zone start? <laughs> why are you icing him? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a like more fundamental question. Because right? every game seven needs a five minute major. That's the Golden Knights' plan. Yeah. So, do you think he should have? Do you think there should have been a fine or a suspension for the for the uh, the cross check on Suter? No, no fine or suspension, but it should have been five minutes in game. Like it's 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 interference, it's violent, and the guy gets hurt. Like I don't, yeah, I don't. To me, if that's if that's Zach Whitecloud's face going into the side of the post, I'm freaking out, asking for five minutes. Yeah, I it's honestly predatory. I, it's crazy, but I honestly believe they didn't call five minutes because they knew Vegas has had two five minute majors in their last game seven. I think that's why they didn't do it. Uh, we've we've had our fair share of rest con- conspiracies. Wow, I can't talk. Ref conspiracy theories on this show. So, I mean, Wes McCauley never put anything past that guy. He might be funny, but he also is a ref. Yeah. Um. Yeah i I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the hit. To be honest, I'd have been perfectly fine with them calling it a major, but. It was so dangerous and not yeah, necessary. It's reckless. It's reckless. Honestly, the part that shocked me is that Suter didn't even go back down the tunnel. But that didn't shock me. That dude bases his whole entire identity on being the tough guy that never misses a shift. I mean, I I understand that part of it, but if you're a concussion spotter and you see a dude get his head rammed into the crossbar, yeah. you don't think? Yeah, that's fair. Those in this league. Allegedly, allegedly, not in the games I watch. It seems like it seems like the Evs are on the receiving end of those of the spotter calls a lot. Yeah, we don't see a lot of that. 
in in any case, since we're kind of on this topic, uh, how is a, is not having Peyton Krebs that big of a deal? No. Okay. He played three games. He was fine. He's probably a better option than some of the options they have at the bottom of the lineup. Patrick Brown, Reeves, Colazar, Carrier, these types of guys. But they weren't going to do that. He was going to take the spot of where Yanmark is right now. So they, they, I don't even know that he would be in the lineup if he was healthy anyway right now. How's Yanmark? How's Yanmark been uh, outside <laughs> of outside of the game seven hat trick? Obviously, he's uh, he's an interesting case because like you you watch him every game and you're like, damn, this dude can skate. This dude's in on the forecheck. He plays direct to the goal. He's everything you want. And then you look and it's like, wait, how long have they had him and he didn't score yet? He had one goal, none. He, that was last night was his first goal against a goalie for the Golden Knights. That was it. He's got two now, which and then he gets another empty netter for the hat trick. Like he, like I just saw his name on a list with Wayne Gretzky for like Game Seven hat tricks, and I'm like, okay, hockey. A little out of place there. Yeah, yeah hockey, <laughs> love it. But it's like he's he's fine as a third line left wing with. Tuck driving the offense on the line and Wah playing at his best, that's a decent third line to a good third line. I think it's good enough that that could be a spot where the Golden Knights could potentially take advantage with Kadri out of the series. But to me, the top six is just such a nightmare for Vegas. And then the fourth line, the Vegas fourth line, if they're out there against anyone but Belmar, like I'm going to have my eyes closed, terrified. Where I think if Delmar's out there against any of the Golden Knights lines, it's not the end of the world. He's defensively responsible. He's good. You definitely I don't understand why they give him away. Here you can. We don't. Need I'm him. curious where Alex Newhook slots into this one because he brought. I mean, he brought a dynamic element to the ice when he played that just doesn't exist when you have guys like Jason Magna. Yeah, I believe he is, yeah. How I, I think that there's an interesting conversation there about Vegas's forward lines. How flexible are they? How dead set are they in, in keeping them together? Because especially with Adri out, the Avs just the bottom nine is kind of it's gonna be a mix. Vegas's top top nine's not going anywhere. If they're healthy, that's what it is. They uh, I was shocked because we started talking about how Maybe they rip apart what we call it the misfit line. It's the three guys that were there from the beginning that have been there the whole time, Marsha, So Carlson, and Smith. Uh, the entire season, they ripped that part of line, uh, that line apart like five times on purpose in a 56-game season against the worst division in the history of the sport. Like, why not try that? The answer is because they know it's not going to be better. We're not getting better than this. So that line's set. There's no way Stone and Pacioretty are coming apart. They don't have another answer to go in between them other than Stevenson. So he has to play there. That leaves Tuck as an overflow. So he has to play right wing on the third line. Wah or Noshik, that's really the only switch you can potentially see. If Noshik suddenly is healthy, which I'm doubting because I haven't seen him skate. And even him, it's not going to make a huge difference. It's him or Wah in the center. And then Yanmark's going to get the left spot. Like there's really not a lot that's going to change. I... I think the Golden Knights can be down 3-0 in the series and still roll out the same top nine. How healthy is Max Pacioretty? He's not. Is it upper or lower body? I don't actually have any. Uh, from the information that I have, it's directly in between. 
middle body. Got That's it. That's the best right. donkey. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have it on good enough authority to go all the way and say exactly what I what I believe it is. But if it is what I believe it is, I don't know whether you call it upper or lower body. And it's not an injury you suddenly are miraculously better from. Like, it, I, I don't believe it was a concussion, which somewhere that's gotten into the discussion. And I don't really know uh, where that came from. I don't think it's that. I think it's a physical I, injury. And I don't think he's healthy. I don't think he's fully healthy. I don't think he played all that well last night. Scored the game winning goal. I don't think he played that well. This is the thing I think that has happened in uh, in the hockey world now is that when a guy is sort of day to day with a lingering injury of some kind, must be every, a concussion. Everybody just attaches a concussion to it now because they're just like, oh, well, you never know, right? Yeah, it could be that. Yeah, and it just it just gets like the Abs have like four guys with concussions who are out right now because we just haven't seen them in three well, months. Well, and then the Golden Knights actually had a guy with a concussion. They didn't say it was a concussion, and everyone claimed he was in rehab. So. Yikes. How does that go? Speaking of guys who had concussions, uh, I talked a little about Bowen Byram already. What's up with Keegan Colasar? Oh, boy. What do you mean, what's up with Keegan Colasar? Are we talking about the hit or what? Yeah, I mean, what's up with that, man? Keegan Colasar is a player that relies on doing shit like that. Like he's he he wants to live on the line, and he's done a pretty darn good job of not crossing the line. That one probably crossed the line, but if I remember right, he got away with it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't a major point of contention from the Colorado <laughs> yeah. side as Nazem Kadri gets eight goddamn games. Wow, oh, he's a different animal. And like, I get it's a more complicated conversation. But he gets eight games in a sea of headshots that have hurt that have hurt guys. Yeah. And guys have gone out and they've missed significant time. And it's like Bowen Byron hadn't played a game in two months. Go ahead, show the clip. Do you have it? And it's we don't have the clip. It's a, it's a really good way for YouTube to pull us to, yeah. to, for them to get mad at us. That's fair. I remember yeah. it. It's in my mind. I just I, to me, like Keegan Colazar is not out there to do dirty stuff. Like, I really don't think he's a dirty player, but I think he knows his role and his impact is going to have to be playing physical and winning on four checks with his body. He plays that same style. He's a lot better at it than a lot of the guys the Golden Knights have. Reeves, Brown, I think even in some ways Carrier. He's a good four checker. He plays that way. He's just not that good at this point in his career, and he can't score. At the moment, oh, he's out of the gosh. line. So at the, right now, you don't have to worry about it. He's, he's the, not even in the line at the, at the moment. The, the number of odd man rushes I watched Keegan Colasar blow this year was comical. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's not good. It's like, if you could finish these, man, you'd be a, it reminded me a lot of Matt Nieto's time in Colorado where he got lots of scoring chances and just botched them. <laughs> That's... There's a feeling, I think every team has a player like this where you see them on the breakaway and you realize it's them and you just go, oh, this isn't going in. Yeah. <laughs> so You just don't even get excited about it. You yeah. see that guy's number and you're like, oh, God, how's he going to screw this one up? <laughs> Is it at least going to be a shot on goal? 
In most cases with him, no, or at least it's jammed directly into their pads. Speaking of things that you don't have to worry about, because I'm sure you guys haven't studied the Golden Knights nearly as much as, uh, as I have, when William Carrier has the puck and wraps it around the goal, you don't it looks way more dangerous than it is and the analytics love it it's like 0.42 expected goals he's never scored on one in his career not one ever so this Same will be could be said for kale mccarr this, this is a fun kale mccarr thing <laughs> because he has started to figure out that teams are preventing him from doing the little toe drag to the inside and embarrassing all of their guys like he did to yep. Minnesota last year. And so he just started cutting around the net and trying with these wraparound chances. They It looks really, really good until he has to actually put the puck home, and then it's just adventure time. Keep skating, bud. I say the same thing about Carrier. Stop jamming it into his pads. Keep skating. Wait for the open lane. They're going to have to come apart. Like it, it, That wraparound play, unless it's wide open it's not gonna work because these guys the goalies are too good down low their 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 pads are on the on the ice it's not going in like ever yeah it's it's unless you get them to overcommit to the near side or something it's it's just too tough but good luck doing that with flurry um as, as yeah that flurry he'll look like he's overcommitted and then dive Still back, get back like somehow yeah <laughs> We talked a little bit about the X Factor on the Avs side. That's that's the save that changed the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> there was another one that looked a lot like it that changed the Golden Knights history, but I don't want to talk about that. Ooh. One. <laughs> Give me an X Factor for Vegas. Who is who is the surprise series changer for for Vegas's side? That's a good question because I don't. I think it's going to come down to the guys that need to do what they do are going to have to do what they do best. Like so, you're going to have to get offense from Mark Stone consistently. Pacioretty's going to have to score. I think you're going to need more from Theodore. Petrangelo's offense, I guess, is kind of an X factor because the Golden Knights really haven't gotten it all year. And I, but but it's hard to say. Oh, the eight point eight million dollar guy scoring—that's an X factor. Like that's kind of a cop out bullshit answer. Like Tuck has always like they, they literally called Tuck the X factor in the playoffs last year. DeBoer did. I don't think that's the case anymore. Yanmark, I think, blew his load there in Game Seven, so I'm gonna not go with him. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the the best answer would be that 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 second line or the misfit line or whatever you want to call it. I, I think that line has the ability to win on both ends of the ice, and if they're putting pucks in the net the Golden Knights become a much more dangerous beast. If they're not, good luck. I think it's the same guy for both teams. I think it's Jonathan Marchessault and Andre Burakovsky. Because your top lines, you expect your top lines are going to give you what they're going to give you. Your top defenders are going to give you what they're going to give you. Best on best. If you can win best on best, you're obviously in great shape. But it's what happens beyond that that so frequently will determine a series. Yeah. You know, now we saw against St. Louis, best on best was enough because Ryan O'Reilly's a bitch who got devoured. That was great. That was that was extremely enjoyable to watch. I don't know that 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 that, that happens in this series, so it's going to come down to who's next, and I think it's going to be Marchesso, and I think it's going to be Burakovsky. Either if either one of those guys are locked in and they're at their best. It just adds a whole other element uh, to to what 
each team can realistically accomplish. Who is more yeah. likely to be at their best, in your opinion? <laughs> they're the same guy, you know. Like they're they go they'll go through stretches where yeah, they're really really one. good. Yeah, I'm like I love Burakovsky, but when when he disappears, like there's He's a ghost. Yeah, very little happens. Yeah, Donskoy scares me more than Burakovsky, to be honest. Not me, man. Uh, yeah, that dude is. I tell you, even streakier. You'll see. You, yeah, Donskoy. Donskoy is maybe the streakiest player in the NHL. When he's hot, seriously, just look out. It's gonna, it's gonna get big up in here. But when he's not, it, very, very, very little happens. And with Comfer in between them, look. Comfer has proven time and time again he is not a play-driving center. He is purely a passenger. He's much better as a wing. I have absolutely zero confidence that with that guy in the middle of them that they're not a donut. Um, The third line, I think the third line matchup is actually going to be fascinating because it's kind of, they're they're kind of the same thing. Like, Nachushkin is your elite defensive guy. Tyson Jost can do a little bit of everything for you. And Brandon Saad is the answer to Alex Tuck. I think that's it. Might come down to who gets the best of that matchup because they are they're really so similar. It's just high scoring or low scoring for the most part. Every time I think low scoring, I remember that nothing in in the ABS has ever been low scoring. They even against Dallas last year somehow no. that series was five to four every game. You can't go back. You already picked the under for tomorrow. You oh, I'm still I'm still picking the under for tomorrow because I think Vegas will be tired and I think Colorado will be rusty and I think that has like three to one, three to two written all over it, if not even less than that. But the series as a whole, I think it's I think I think fireworks. We'll, I think we'll probably see a solid six-ish goals per game. Yeah, really? Yeah, I think it's gonna be way lower, closer to four. God, please don't be four. Yeah, I think it's going to be weird and boring to watch in a way, which is it's not what you expect out of these two teams, but I just think they're going to counterpunch all day long. Who benefits more from high scoring and who benefits more from low scoring? Are the Vegas, uh, are are the Golden Knights scoring? Because when it's low scoring and the Golden Knights aren't scoring, they're useless. And we've seen it. They lost to Minnesota one to nothing in overtime then couldn't score in another game. Like, if it's 0-0 at the end of the second period, for the most part, the Golden Knights have lost the game already because they're never going to score. So in that case, I would say low scoring. But at the same time, if Colorado's not scoring, Vegas is in the game, which is where they want to be. Colorado Colorado played a, into the third period a lot of games this year that were one or two goals, though. They are really comfortable in that situation. The ones, the, the really the only situation that I would say they're not very comfortable in is trailing into the third. Yeah, trailing going into the third. They had one not win this year. Hard, yeah. They had one win. And in Jared Bednar's tenure, they have like 15 wins in five years in that situation. Like they just, they aren't a big comeback team. Yeah, their comeback, means- their comeback happens in the second period or it doesn't happen. They won't, they won't do it against Vegas either. The Golden Knights just don't allow it. It happened once. It was a Minnesota game. It was a nightmare. I don't really understand what happened. I still, it's weird to me. But at, if, when the second you pull your goalie, 
just forget about it. You lost. Like I, I wouldn't even recommend pulling your goalie. Like you already I lost. Don't believe the Avs scored any six on five yeah. goals. And year. the Golden Knights never give them up. And and not only do they never give them up, they barely even let you shoot. Like they're, they're ridiculous at six on five. The Avs the Avs have been super bad at six on five because they haven't done it all year. So. But can Vegas get to that point? That, that, that's, to me, the part yeah. that it seems so obvious. We'll get a lead going into the second. Yeah, well, okay, sure. How are they actually going to get there? I just have a hard time believing when you look at line by line, I don't know what the good matchup is for Vegas. Like, what, if, if you get to pick the line, so you're, you're DeBoer and I'm Bednar and I put out their top, I put out McKinnon, what's the best response? Uh, I, I mean, I, I would put out Stevenson, Stone, and Pacioretty, but DeBoer didn't this year. No, he will, he will probably go with Carlson. Yeah, he went with Carlson all year. I was, I was going through their matchups. That. It, it didn't go well. Mutes any offense you're getting there. So when we say the X factor is Marcia, so if they're playing a majority of their minutes against McKinnon, forget them scoring at all. They're just going to be trying to survive then Stone doesn't have a good matchup because I think you probably throw Nachuskin out there against him to try and eat him up as much as you can, and I think that can work. Boy, if they could, if Colorado can get away with of keeping Andre Burakovsky and Nathan McKinnon away from Mark Stone, if they're, if they're able to accomplish that... Uh, I think they can. This may not be a super long series. That's, that's you're kind of starting to see why I'm so nervous about this. I mean, I I think I said a couple days ago that if there was no Max Pacioretty in the series, I had Colorado in five. Yeah, because I'm not worried about the goal scoring from Vegas really Let's, much at all. We're drifting into this conversation anyway, so. I'm going to need series predictions from both of you here. Go ahead. AJ, you're up. Um, I think, I mean, I, I will, I think I'm taking Colorado. I'll take Colorado at six um, with, with a slight chance at it being less than that. But I, I would be surprised if it got seven. Yeah. I'm in the same spot. I, I don't, I don't know how Vegas is going to win twice in a row. I could see them getting – the only way I can see Vegas winning this series is if they win every other game starting with game one. I just don't see them winning twice in a row. And because of that, it's real hard to pick them to win a series, understanding that they're behind the eight ball tomorrow night. Like, yeah, they might be able to be the better team for the first 10 minutes because of the rust and when's the last time Colorado actually played a playoff game. It's like August a real playoff game against a real playoff team, uh, you know, that, that tries. Like, I think there's an emo- there's an option there for Vegas early in that, in, in that, in which case, if they can come home, if they're winning the odd-numbered games, maybe they can steal the series. There's a path to victory if they can win the odd-numbered games, specifically game three. Game three, the winner of game three, I think, has the massive advantage. If it's not Vegas, wrap it up. It's over. Vegas will have 100% fan attendance. Yeah. Correct. So home ice Baller, advantage for the Avs, does it does it make a difference? Yes. That uh, definitive yes. Matters. I think last well, change matters more so than the fans. Like, give me yes. that on their fans any day. Look good. The Avs are 19-0-1 in their last 20 home games. 
Is that good? I guess it's okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, and their last, I believe their last loss was. It was the Arizona nonsense game, right? That, I mean, that was their last regulation loss. Their actual yeah. last loss was the Nathan McKinnon got tripped at center ice in overtime. Oh, yeah. Devon yeah, Taves' yeah. stick snapped in half in the crease. Yeah. And that's already got a free game winner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the one that I that I was sitting there, it was a hundred feet from me, and I was just sitting in disbelief, watching it happen because I was so fixated on Devontae's stick flying into the corner randomly. I was like, they had not lost much at home either. Like that was the whole thing going in. Like, oh, they're a different beast at home, and then Vegas went in. It's like, ha, laughable. Well, and that's, I mean, that's also like that's the story of all three of those teams. Is their home records were dominant this year. Except against each other. Yeah, you know why? Because the California teams didn't belong in this league. Yeah, like, I went to an were. NHL game a couple of days ago, and the Condors are better than the three California teams. The <laughs> The amount of criticism that I took three weeks into the season, because I had spent all offseason calling it the worst division, and it ended up being horrible. It's not even close. Like, the, the Blues, the team that the Avs just beat in playoffs – was like the 23rd best team in the NHL. They're yeah. awful. They're yeah, terrible. They, they weren't in, in the playoffs. Like, easily in the playoffs. The three California teams are embarrassing. The Arizona can't get out of their own damn way and will never be able to get out of their own damn way. Like, yeah. And to, yeah, like some of the commenter just says on the side, like, the, for Vegas, all the good teams are leaving. Yeah. Oh, well, now what do yeah. we get? Edmonton, Vancouver, Seattle. Like, oh my God. Vegas is going to have a thousand points and lose oh. the first round again. Oh, don't make me laugh. Look, I, oh, I just, it, it, that's the whole thing. And like, I, maybe you guys view it differently. I don't know. The games against between Vegas and Colorado, I feel like I put very little stock into them because they met, all of them were weird. Yep. But some teams as yep. four players. Other times we're playing in a fucking pond that's a wave pool. Like, yeah, the, the whole thing was a mess. <laughs> it was. Yeah, no. If because if you look at if you look at their where their matchups occurred, and like the the health and like the situations each each of those teams were in, the only one of them that was close to like normal was the very last one. Yep, where Vegas could have. Vegas oh, could have locked up the president's trophy players. that night. And they had 15 players that night. Yeah. Yep. And granted, it's helpful in Vegas's case to actually have 15 players sometimes because then they don't play all their shit players. Yeah. Then Which, it's like, oh, the good guys get to play more often now. Yeah. Like, oh, let's play Mark Stone 22 minutes. Like, <laughs> what a novel concept. The problem is then that means Petrangelo plays like 30 and it's like, okay, great. Yeah. I mean, you know. Two teams involved in the longest game in NHL history this year. So, yeah, technically, that that, God, that was so stupid. Did you guys go to that? <laughs> oh God, no, dude. Oh, I wanted to so bad because I'm like, ooh, Tahoe, nice pictures. Yeah. I'm gonna make a new phone background. And then I was like, thank fucking God, I didn't go. To that. <laughs> there, the only reason that I'm not coming out to to, to Vegas for the series is just because there's no point to traveling and I covering know. the team. I know it's it sucks. I'm like, so two years ago, I was the one that was supposed to cover Colorado Vegas when the whole San Jose debacle happened in Game Seven, and <laughs> it was I was so excited because Vegas is my city. 
Vegas is like, I go to Vegas to cover the team when the Avs are there. I have, like, we had city. We each had cities, and he had San Jose. You know, Dater at the time had San Jose, and I had Vegas, and I Vegas got stolen from me. And now this year, there's no, there's no, there's no point in going and covering the team on the road because no. you're just going to sit on a Zoom call the whole Except time. That it's like, fun watching hockey. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like, like it's great to go and watch the game, but it's like, can I justify that to my employer? Hey, I need you to pay for air travel. I need you to pay for food and lodging for multiple days so I can go watch hockey. Thanks a lot, Nuggets, you jerks. <laughs> yeah. Tuesday home game. What, what, what is that? Like, get this NBA bullshit out of here. I know you have a Nuggets hat on. Get this out of here. We oh, finally have the series. Finally. The, like, it, we've been three years waiting for this. We finally have the series, and we have to wait an extra day because the damn Nuggets. What doesn't make sense is that they are they have two days off. Yeah. They should have. Yeah, the Nuggets. No, I mean, I mean, the, just play Monday, Wednesday. <laughs> the Nuggets have two days off. Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah, it's that's. Like, it's like why i know well the nba i don't i don't even whatever but like i why are they playing on sunday why are they playing tomorrow yeah i i don't know why they didn't wait till monday either i don't it it made no sense but i was gonna go go up there i had the hotel booked right across from ball is that ball arena ball arena now (sighs) yeah I'm wearing a Manscaped shirt. I mean, yeah, Balls <laughs> Arena, like right across from there, and and then they're like, yeah, Sunday's game one. Okay, great. I guess I'm not going. Now I'm gonna probably. I'm hoping for a game seven so I can do the old fly up, go to the game, go back to the airport, sleep there, and fly home. I love doing that. It's the worst, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs a hotel room? Just be I've homeless. Been- Done that a couple of times. Yeah, just be homeless. It's the best way. The, the amount of complaints I get about his back after series like that. Yeah. Set up the ring lights in the middle of the airport. It's the best. He takes a quick nap on the floor. Yep. You know, I'm, the Minnesota airport is great for that. <laughs> it's just too it's just too big, man. You can always you can always find space. I had no interest. Place. There was never there was never even a thought of going to Minnesota. That was never <laughs> even considered. Like <sighs> what city do you want to go to least? Like I, the only city worse is the team you guys played. St. Louis is pretty oh. bad. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I went to school in Missouri. Everyone's from St. Louis all getting all excited about St. Louis. Like that place is death. Yeah. <laughs> I've covered a bunch of games there, and it sucks. That building is so old. Yeah, and then like you, you, you come, you come to Vegas, and you're like, "Wow, look at how cool this place is." You go to St. Louis, you're like, "They have an arch." Yeah. Speaking <laughs> yeah. of balls, have you ever been up in the arch? No. No. Oh, I have heights, man. This little ball with six people. And if there's no windows and you're inside of a metal structure and you're in a ball, it is the yeah. creepiest thing I've ever been in. This this <laughs> sounds like all of my phobias yeah. tied yeah, into it, one. It was bad. It was Between bad. claustrophobia and fear of heights, I'm like, mm-mm. Both and then I got off there and someone drew a dick in the uh, snow. Oh, so classic. Down. It was huge. That's the, the best yeah. thing in St. Louis. Well, right there. It was. I was like, wow. <laughs> What a great tourist destination. (laughs) All right. The fried ravioli is dope. Come on. 
don't give them credit for putting a good thing in a fryer. Like, no shit. <laughs> so, like, South gets, gets credit for it all the time. All they it's do is ridiculous. throw shit in the fryer. Yeah, they didn't invent the ravioli. Like, like, okay, churros. I'll give them credit. Like, no one ever thought to make a churro. They did it. They fried it. Good job. But, like, ravioli, we're like, yeah, these are phenomenal. What should we do? Put it in the fryer. Like, come on. We, they, obviously. It's still delicious. Dude, they like, I'm not giving – who made the fried Oreo? They don't get – no city gets credit for that. Uh, obviously also a good idea. I think a so. great idea. Yeah. <laughs> some some high person gets credit do for that. Do not give credit for that. The, they get credit for one thing. One thing and one thing only. Those horses are awesome. Oh, uh, <laughs> The okay. Those if Budweiser horses—they're amazing. I guess if you're a horse person, St. Louis might be okay. Um, anyway, we're a little off topic here. I well, think we're kind of winding down the show. Can uh, any final thoughts on the series and anything you wanna you wanna plug that you're doing right now? Oh, go for it. I am terrified. Um, I have been waiting for this moment for the Golden Knights to play the Abs in a series and. Thank you for being healthy because I I, I didn't want to deal with, well, Renton's out or, well, I didn't want to play that game. Like, I'm, I'm happy they're healthy. I hope they stay healthy. I hope the Golden Knights stay healthy. I hope Pacioretty's at his full strength because this is the moment for the Golden Knights to learn about themselves. They need to – this is the mirror. You're standing in front of the mirror. If you can't play with Colorado, you aren't what you say you are. They're not elite. They can have all the points they want. This is the moment. Do they have to win the series? Probably not. But they have to be competitive the entire way through. They have to push it. They have to look like they're there. Like, you can't get into this series and not be the same level that Colorado is. Because Colorado's not going to get much worse over the next few years. Vegas doesn't have a lot of room to change. They either have to blow this whole thing up, and there's a way to do that. And they might have had to do that had they lost last night. But this is the moment. And to be honest, the more I look into it, I talk to you guys, I talk to other people that have watched all these games, I just don't see how Vegas matches up. Like, I really don't. I don't like any of the four-line matchups. Pick a line, I think Colorado's better. Pick a pair, I think Colorado's better. Like, the goalie, I like Flurry better a lot more than you guys like Grubauer. But aside from that, and I don't even like the coaching matchup because I think DeBoer's too stubborn to change. He's going to do what he does. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't, we got problems. And I don't know that it's going to work because I don't think they're going to be able to play slow and boring enough to be able to deal with how they need to win this series. I think this series should be like the most boring hockey you've ever seen in your life if Vegas wants to win it. Chip it in, let them come out, set up in the neutral zone, and just wait until they bang their heads into the wall one time hard enough that they hand you a two-on-one. That's the only way I think Vegas wins, and I just don't see it happening. I think Vegas is going to make way too many mistakes. We didn't really talk much about the coaching matchup, but I'm curious to see two years later how DeBoer Bednar head-to-head goes because I think DeBoer got the better of him a couple years ago. But he also had the better roster. And I think yeah. I think Bedner has the better roster this time around. And so it'll be really interesting to see how these guys go X's and O's against each other. My biggest issue is I just don't know what DeBoer has to do. Like I don't I don't know what matchups he can be looking to get. I don't know what opportunities he could be looking to create some of 
you know, good opportunities for Vegas. Like really their best bet is just be clean. And like, I can coach the team and tell you, don't fuck up in the neutral zone. Like it's not that hard. So that's where I don't know what options he has, where I think the options are endless on the other side because the Golden Knights are going to run out a line that is awful every single night. And they're going to play them for the first shift. The first shift of the series is probably going to be Ryan Reeves against Nathan McKinnon. How stupid is that? That's what it's going to happen because they're dumb. I tell you, with uh, with 10-5 allowed at Ball Arena, it might be really, really loud on that first shift. It probably will be. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. They, they've started Reeves literally every single game. The only time the fourth line has not started in the series was the day that Reeves was out on COVID, but not really, which I think is a hell of a uh, show of how much people cared about Ryan Reeves was that he wasn't even listed on the COVID list and then missed the game for COVID, and everyone's like, ah, whatever, not a big deal. <laughs> like I, yet they come back with game seven and they start them again. And it, I mean, if they, it, it, please avalanche, please. I, I ask one thing you can, I want you to lose every single game, but please one time in this series, take the opening face off, embarrass that fourth line and score immediately so that I can ask the question of how dumb it is that you're starting these friggin' morons. Game All one right. sounds like a fun time. Yeah, to yeah, that. Just do that immediately. Yeah. I mean, the Vegas can still win the game if it happens. I would still prefer that. But it's like, I just don't understand why they're doing that. People keep asking for Cody Glass. Like, stop it. He's not good. Certainly hasn't lived up to expectations. I've been saying it for four years, and everyone's like, no, the scouts. You know, I tell you, we talk a lot about how the Avs got screwed in that, that draft lottery. But what? Expansion <laughs> Vegas getting the sixth pick. Well, to be honest, that's the best thing that's ever happened to the Golden Knights front office because they would have picked Cody Glass before Makar and Heskinen. Well, that'd have been something. Well, yeah. The abs the abs were gonna the abs had Nolan Patrick number one on their yeah. board that year. So like so it, sometimes a lot, things of, a lot of blessings in disguise yeah. ended up happening there. But, like, that's it's, but I would rather be in Colorado's spot. Oh no, we have to pick Kale McCarr, and instead Vegas has Cody Glass and then trade Nick Suzuki. It's just it's just rough to see the three picks right in front of them be it's Miro Haskinen, Kale McCarr, and Elias Pettersson. And 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 beyond it, I'm I'm telling you, they would not have picked any of those three. That's the biggest issue to me. They just wouldn't. I I know the guys they like to pick. I know they wouldn't have picked McCarr because they they hate kids that go back to college. They do not like doing that. Because they don't trust it. They've seen it too many times. They just don't trust it. And I don't blame them for that. If Kale McCarr didn't want to be on the abs, he wouldn't. That's terrifying That's with your fourth overall pick. Like, yeah. you can really say, nah, I'll go to college for four years. This seems like fun. Oof. It could have. It would have been wild to watch a top five pick do that. I mean, one of these days, one of them is going to do it. It's probably going to be Ottawa's pick eventually. And I'm not <laughs> doing that. Like, but but the, the rules are the rules are a joke. I mean, it's it's a the, the rule system is just terrible that a, that a player can go to college and then he's got like four months or something to decide whether he wants to sign with that team. It makes absolutely no sense, and especially on a protected, they should at least have a protection. But then again, the draft is stupid in the first place, and that should be abolished anyway. Just let teams bid on the players. 
Oh boy. We have a salary cap. You're opening the can of worms there. Yeah. I don't I, I don't understand the draft. It just seems like imagine any other job in the world where you come out of college or out of wherever you're at and they're like, you must go to Edmonton. I'm like, yeah, no, I'd rather stab myself. All right. So you'd pull Lindros. I see. Well, I mean, yeah, kind of. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I just like it makes no sense. Like, how are we forcing these guys to go to a specific place? It just doesn't make any sense when we have a salary cap. We have something in place that protects us from overpaying 17-year-olds or 18-year-olds. It doesn't make sense to me. I like the draft. It's fun. Yeah, I enjoy the draft as well. <laughs> the lottery's coming up, right? I don't enjoy that you, part of you it. You know what I actually don't give a shit about is the lottery because yeah. I don't have to. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't. We, we cared once and it was like awful. I, I sat through watching the greatest odds of the number one overall pick land on two fourth overall picks. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And they're both going to play in this series. We and had 10% the one time we were in the lottery. We had 10%. And we threw this party and I bought like 7,000 ping pong balls and we all had ping pong balls in this bar. They're still mad at me. Actually, the bar closed down during the pandemic. Shout out to that bar. Uh, and so then we lost the lottery and everyone was throwing the ping pong balls and it was really bad. <laughs> and then we got Cody Glass. Yep. That's uh, that's the NHL for you, I guess. Yep, I love it. Uh, I know you have your name down there, Ken, but let the people listening to the podcast version know where they can find you and all your awesome stuff. I mean, I feel like if you're watching this, you have a feeling that I work or call my site Sinbin. It's like over here, over here, <laughs> over here, over here. Like somebody was making fun of that on me on the Periscope not too long ago. Um, yeah, the website Sinbin.Vegas. We don't have a .com because it just seems boring and not cool enough for us. So we have .Vegas. Uh, Sinbin Vegas on Twitter. Um, I tell everybody before these series start, and, I, and I'll tell uh, Colorado fans the same, like, if you disagree with anything that I said, like, vehemently and hate me for it, don't follow me, because it's just going to get worse as the series goes on. <laughs> it really is. If you're like, yeah, I kind of agree with a lot of the shit he's saying, then you could probably follow me and you'll feel good about it. But the things I think the Golden Knights do well, I'm going to say, this is what they need to do well. And it, and and. I think the Golden Knights need to play a very boring series. I, I really do. I think they need to just make it horrible to watch. And so I'm going to be applauding every time that it's horrible to watch. All right. So you know who to blame. He wants dead puck hockey. Yeah. It, yeah. Like, let's go back to, to early 2000s. And it'll be great. As long as we're going back to 2001. <laughs> <laughs> we might be. We might be. <laughs> I, I, I wish I wish I felt better about the Golden Knights' chances of winning this. I haven't felt good about it all season. The second they put him in the division, I haven't felt good about it. I knew this was coming. I thought maybe Vegas blows it and we don't ever get to see the series because that happens every damn year. Somebody blows it. Last year it was you guys. This year it was, or the year before it was the refs. I thought it was going to be Vegas this time. We're here now. I, I don't. I don't know. I. I, I can't in good conscience pick the pick the Golden Knights. Like I wish I could. I just can't. I think they're gonna lose in six. I think it could be five. It wouldn't shock me if it's four. That would shock me. Yeah, I Vegas is just too good for that. I just yeah. like Sunday's game. Would it shock you if Colorado comes out and just smokes Vegas early in Sunday's game? No. No. So okay, that's so that's one. Now I, to be honest with you, right behind it. it. 
It will Should never shock out. me. I don't know. I think they can win them all because if Vegas comes back 2-0, all the pressure's on Vegas. If Colorado plays a good game, it's 3 nothing, and Vegas will crumble. Flurry will find a way to steal at least one. I don't know about that. He's going to be out of there if it's 3-0. Maybe it'll be Leonard that can steal one. Yeah, the Avs yeah. 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 The the find a way to get goalied at least once, usually. So The Golden Knights make bad goalies look real good, so I'm interested to see what they make Grubauer look like because I don't think he's bad. They made Thatcher Demko look like the greatest <laughs> player of all. Earned him a fantastic contract. God. <laughs> and, and, and watching the game, if you like – you're like, when did he make a save? Like, I still think that about Talbot. I don't remember him making a save. Yeah. I, sometimes good goalies make it look easy, though, to be fair. Oh, oh. Sometimes bad shooters make it look <laughs> Also true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we're going to wrap up the show for today. Thank you for hanging out, chat. Thank you so much, Ken, for coming on and chatting with us. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, chat, we will be back tomorrow night to give you uh, our usual post-game podcast. Uh, again, we hope you all come out to the bar. Come hang out with us there. Come say hi to me if you see me there. Follow Ken at Sinbin Vegas because they make dope content on the Vegas side of things. Until next time, we'll talk to you all later. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom... Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network.